This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Welcome to ParCast Crime Bites. We wanted to give our listeners some additional content to help them dive even deeper into the true crime world. Every week, in addition to your normal con artist episode, we're exploring the most fascinating true crime themes covered across the ParCast network. We've collected short clips from some of our most popular ParCast originals to help us explore ideas like motivation, method, and madness, and show how interconnected the true crime world really is. You can find the original episodes for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. A list of episodes that we used will be posted in the episode description. Today, we're discussing Satanism. What kind of influence has Satanism had on crime and society? American society at large first became aware of Satanism in the 1960s, when a series of murders committed by the Manson family were attributed to Satanism and the occult. That same decade, Anton LaVey published The Satanic Bible, which became the basis text for The Church of Satan. The occult then made its way into the entertainment world, giving way for films such as Rosemary's Baby in 1968 and The Exorcist in 1973. The 1970s and 80s saw a trend of serial killings committed by self-proclaimed Satanists, including Richard Ramirez, who had a pentagram drawn on his palm, and David Berkowitz, a.k.a. Son of Sam, who claimed he committed his murders as part of a satanic death cult. The stereotypes and fear seemed to culminate in the 1980s and early 90s, when the United States went through a mass media scare known as the Satanic Panic. The panic stemmed from a series of false allegations of ritual sexual abuse of children in daycares. Today's clips will feature some crimes associated with Satanism and the impact of this association. Our first clip is from Serial Killers and highlights David Berkowitz. Also known as Son of Sam, David Berkowitz sent terror through New York City during the summer of 1976, killing six people and wounding seven others. The murders caused a media storm. Berkowitz sent taunting letters to the New York Police Department and gave himself nicknames in a letter sent to the Daily News. 
Berkowitz was suffering from schizophrenia, which brings on an inability to distinguish fantasy from reality. In Berkowitz's fantasies, he assigned demons to the people and animals in his life. While despite admitting to killing the women out of hatred, David continued his studies of occult imagery and demonology. He expressed a particular interest in an alleged Celtic deity, Samhain. Samhain became the center of David's demonic fantasy. He read as much as he could about the demon in order to feed into his demon fantasy story. He bought books on black magic, occultism, and even Satanism. For him, these books and images provided a further outlet for sinister urges. Soon, Samhain became a symbol of his darker, more sinister impulses and hatred towards women. Through Samhain, he prayed for more opportunities to hurt women. So what is this Samhain? Is he some kind of satanic deity? Well, that's the interesting thing. While some people may argue that Samhain is an ancient Celtic deity, most historians observe Samhain as an ancient holiday, the precursor to All Saints Day, the Day of the Dead, and even Halloween. Wait, what? Samhain is actually a holiday or festival representing the end of the harvest season and the start of winter, usually celebrated around October 31st. In ancient times, people would dress up, light bonfires, and celebrate the end of the harvest with a big festival. In some cases, people even carved faces in gourds and dressed up as spirits, going door to door to get food. Interesting. So how did he get a demon from a holiday? Most likely during his obsession with the occult, he found a book that referenced Samhain as the Celtic god of death, which is now recognized as a misconception of the holiday and its meaning. That's fascinating. Well, wrong or not, David began to pray and even make offerings to Samhain to further feed into his control fantasy. Like in his previous apartment, he began to scribble and write strange and disturbing phrases all over his apartment walls. He even started to write poetry, with one of his favorite pieces being The Mother of Satan. David was building a new persona around his fascination with the occult and this fictional Samhain character, a persona that had control of others. And pretty soon, David was going to pull all of New York into his control fantasy. In that clip from Serial Killers, we heard David Berkowitz embracing a deep fascination with Satanism and the occult. Following Berkowitz's arrest in August 1977, he confessed to police his Satanist beliefs. Berkowitz claimed he'd been plagued by the barks of his next-door neighbor's dog, Sam. Berkowitz believed that Sam was possessed by a demon who was giving him orders to kill. Later, after Berkowitz was convicted, he admitted that the dog story was a hoax. Berkowitz perpetuated his own satanic myth. But what happens when the public accuses someone of being a Satanist? Coming up, we'll discuss the purported satanic murder of Jeanette De Palma. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. 
With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the show. The mysterious nature of Satanism makes it ripe for a public interest when a crime is attributed to the occult. Sometimes that claim is brought on by the killer himself, such as in the case of David Berkowitz. But sometimes the media starts the rumor. In our next clip from Parcast original Unsolved Murders, we cover the 1972 murder of 16-year-old Jeanette De Palma, whose remains were found on a cliff in New Jersey. Because the case is still unsolved, the motive for the murder is unknown. But accusations that she was the victim of a satanic ritual gained traction. Several newspapers reported the killing as an occult sacrifice. Soon, the accusations turned to Jeanette herself. Some Springfield Township residents even started to wonder if Jeanette had brought her death upon herself. Well, I heard she was a witch. Or hung around with a crowd that was into that stuff. Yeah, totally. I heard she had some occult books in her bedroom or something. Maybe she wanted to sacrifice herself. I saw some kids out at Watchung Reservation decapitating pigeons a while back. And I heard there was a goat sacrifice around there at some point, too. The stories about witchcraft in Springfield Township and the surrounding Union County usually stories featuring teenagers, weren't limited to the De Palma story. The Elizabeth Daily Journal ran an article entitled Do Pupils Pray to the Devil on October 4, 1972. It cited a high school sophomore's testimony that teenagers were hosting seances and occult rituals in the woods. There were whispers of the witches, a reported satanic group operating in the area. Well, there is evidence that local residents believe there was a real occult presence in Union County in the 1970s, though these kinds of claims were routinely used to demonize counterculture groups. The changing social norms and views of drug usage of many 1970s teens probably led peers and adult members of the community to blow any strange behavior out of proportion into something much larger than it was when even the hairstyles and clothing choices of some of these young people looked so strange, it's not hard to see how anti-normative behavior might have been framed as anti-Christian occult practices. But it's also worth pointing out that lead, which was found in very high levels in Jeanette's body, is commonly used in occult rituals. According to some occultists, it's considered the metal of resurrection and transformation, and is sometimes used in rituals involving communication with the underworld. And Jeanette was found on a rock called Devil's Teeth. It sounded like the kind of place where Satanists would commit a ritual sacrifice. That clip from Unsolved Murders highlighted the rumors swirling around the murder of Jeanette De Palma. In addition to the lead evidence and the discovery of the body on Devil's Teeth, some news sources reported that Jeanette's body had been surrounded by strange, occult-like objects and that her corpse was laid upon a pentagram. The police denied any existence of a pentagram or occult objects surrounding the body. But the police statements did not quell the rumors. 
Weird NJ articles published in the early 2000s ramped up the rumors once again. The articles included anonymous statements from residents claiming to know about the satanic cult that committed the murder and accusing Springfield police of covering up the satanic nature of the crime. Both of the clips played so far have detailed crimes attributed to Satanism. But next, we'll hear about the man who literally wrote the book on Satanism. Our final clip is from Cults and details the life of Anton LaVey, who founded the Church of Satan in 1966 and wrote its central religious text, the Satanic Bible. In the late 1960s, LaVey immersed himself in the Hollywood crowd, rubbing elbows with the likes of Jane Mansfield and Liberace. It was during this time that he would meet a future household name in her own right, Susan Atkins. During this period, Anton LaVey came into contact with someone else of note, future Manson family member Susan Atkins. In 1967, Anton was curating an event called the Topless Witches Review at a San Francisco night spot in North Beach. Atkins was working as a stripper at the club when LaVey saw her perform. He approached her boss, Mr. Garnett, about hiring her to perform in the show. Her role was a topless vampire who emerges from a coffin and dances around the stage in a cape. She was immediately struck by LaVey, particularly his physical appearance. Atkins said, quote, The man seemed to be dressed entirely in black. His face and the top of his bald head were extraordinarily pale, white. The intensity of the stranger's black eyes deepened as he watched my movements. End quote. In reflecting on this time, Anton remembered her as just another hate street burnout. LeVay said, quote, She'd beg off rehearsals, saying she had a fever of 108, but in the end, she made a fine vampire. End quote. LeVay invited Atkins back to the Black House for gatherings and rituals, and the pair became very close for a short time. During the same period, Atkins spiraled into an endless cycle of alcohol, drugs, and casual sex. Her boyfriend at the time expressed concern that being in LeVay's show was negatively affecting her. Atkins was not yet involved with the notorious cult leader, Charles Manson. It would be two years until she and three other members of the Manson family murdered five people in one bloody night. But in her 1977 book, Child of Satan, Child of God, Atkins singles out LaVey as the catalyst for her downfall. She wrote, quote, The show was a smash hit along the strip. Garnet had scored big. But the witch's Sabbath and my total sellout to LSD, marijuana, and hashish, and to sex with virtually any attractive man, landed me in the hospital in four months. I was half dead from gonorrhea and had a complete physical breakdown." End quote. In that clip, we heard Church of Satan founder Anton LaVey's short-lived interactions with Susan Atkins. Two years after this meeting, Susan Atkins and other Manson family members committed several murders, including Sharon Tate's. Susan Atkins wasn't LaVey's only connection to the Manson family. Filmmaker Kenneth Anger, who was godfather to LaVey's children, allowed Bobby Beausoleil to move in with him and cast him in one of his films in the role of Lucifer. But relations between Anger and Beausoleil soured and Beausoleil moved out of the home and allegedly stole the film. 
Just a year later, in 1969, Beausoleil Charles Manson killed Gary Hinman, the first death in the series of killings that Manson hoped would spark Helter Skelter. Today's Crime Bites highlighted three cases associated with Satanism. Any crime related to Satanism provokes a media firestorm of rumors and speculation. This was displayed in the clip from Unsolved Murders, in which murder victim Jeanette De Palma was rumored to be involved in her own satanic ritual murder. In Serial Killers, David Berkowitz played off fear and misunderstanding around the occult to craft an elaborate hoax about his neighbor's possessed dog. And in Cults, we heard from the man who started the Church of Satan himself, Anton LaVey, who had loose connections to members of the murderous Manson family. Manson took the threads of LaVey's ideas and twisted them into a dark spree of death. Before he murdered Sharon Tate, one of Manson's followers proclaimed, I'm the devil. I'm here to do the devil's business. Thanks for tuning into ParCast Crime Bites. We hope you enjoyed this episode on Satanism. We'll be back next week with a new episode on isolation. Why do some criminals sequester their victims, and how does it affect them? If you'd like to listen to the episodes we discussed today in full, simply search for our ParCast original shows, Serial Killers, Unsolved Murders, or Cults on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. I'll see you next time.